And you're very welcome to episode 38 of LOI Weekly, which is the last episode, certainly of the regular season. Anyway, we shall update you on Twitter if anything is happening uh, with a view to uh, the uh, time leading up to Christmas and all of that. And what a quartet we have in store today. The two Johnnies, Ward and uh, Dunleavy, the double winning captain of Cork City. Dan McDonald and Shane Supple, who's making his third appearance, I think, on LOI Weekly this season. Uh, just before you go on there, Johnny, I'd like to interrupt and sort of address the elephant in the room. Um, go on. A couple of months ago, you, I believe you had a tweet and a very public come down, maybe yesterday, something to the effect of that the next time we would play Dundalk, they'd batter us. I'll leave the, I leave the batter into Bradley from now on. Okay. Uh, Bradley, I, I met a... I got it wrong, has to be said. And I, I is, think, this a, is this like a public official, a public policy? I, I, I think in hindsight, Cork City were not really at it when they didn't need to be, but when they needed to be against Dundalk, they were at it. Um, but for my role to be kind of cited as some sort of part <laughs> motivation for Carl Shepherd must have been my biggest kind of uh, ever input in at, in the League of Ireland. There was a Kieran Sadler quote after the game as well, and I actually didn't pick it up at the time because I don't think I saw your tweet at the time saying something about. Yeah, I saw someone said they were we were going to get battered or something like that. I was like, who said? Who used the word battered? Stephen Bradley's the only person I know who used that word. Yeah, it all it all tracked down. But I think, like, I think the highlight of this whole thing has been your climb down, Carl Shepherd. I mean, it's been absolutely unbelievable. It was just so public. It's 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 just like all Shepherd had to say is, "Oh, I quite like the podcast," and all of a sudden it's, "Ah, oh, he said Shep, it. He did really well. Ah, <laughs> oh, listen, you're a great side, really. Thanks very much. I mean, is that all it takes? I was really hungover. I had no, nothing left. But I just didn't realise that you could just climb down that easily. You know, so, you know we put Shepherd in for goal of the season, player of the season, the time man of the century, probably. Like, I mean, you're putting him up for everything. You said the other day to me, you said it was the second <laughs> second best goal of the season with Shepherd. Earlier, I you said say me, that. I said it was the best goal. You said it was the second best goal for me the other day, and we have a discussion. It exists now. Today, you're like it's the best goal. So, I mean, how, where does this stop? Okay, before we get to anything else, right? John Dunleavy, he's actually staying. What's going on? Yeah, look, I suppose the, the news was released today that um, that Shep signed back for next year. Um, and obviously, from our point of view, you know, we're delighted. Um, an absolutely fantastic player. He's been brilliant all year. And I think probably, you know, what went on in the last week. And I think it, it probably it probably hurt him a little bit. And, you know, to have his professionalism questioned, um, I thought was a little bit out of order, you know, in certain quarters. Who who, who who questioned his professional though? I saw all these things from Cork about reasons why they were annoyed after the game and I didn't really buy into a lot of them. Where no, was the question of his professionalism? I think there were some quotes. I'm not sure whether it was on TV or in the papers, something to the effect of, oh, you know, if, if I was the manager, I wouldn't play him. Um, and I think that really does question a player's character. Um, and I think Shep very much stepped up to the plate in the game. I thought he was fantastic and, you know, um, showed the amount of quality that he has. So, you know, as I say, brilliant that he's back again. Have you played any kind of role in his change of heart? Or have people around the club played a big part in, in this? Well, I'm not, I'm not sure. Like, I, I don't know myself. I'm not sure that there was a change of heart like, or what, what way it was, you know, what way it was. I didn't really speak to Shep about anything like that, I suppose. Business-wise, it's not stuff that you speak to people about. Um, but obviously, any time that I was speaking to him, I'd have to say, you know, I hope you're staying next year or whatever like that. And um, when the news got released today, I'd, I sent him a message. I said I was delighted to see it. And um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a good start. 
Mm. Um, we're I should say on the on the Cork thing, it was kind of funny, all right, that the, all the players were coming out one by one. I think it was like Stephen Beatty said, "I'm having a pop." I just wanted <laughs> to be known, I'm having a pop. I don't know what it is. Stewie Byrne, Byrne said, "We should have a pop." Right here we go. And it's like they're listed people. It's like let's move on to liars. Let's move on to all these people. Like Conor McCormick was like, "No one's given us a chance all season." I'm sort of thinking. I think when you're 19 points clear, I think people probably gave you a chance of like getting it done, you know, at this point. But it is like, uh, it was it was kind of funny. It was it was a memorable post-match sort of press conference session where everyone was just coming out with an axe to grind. Carol Shepard at one point was like, yeah, right, Alan Cawley, Stuart Byrne. Who was the other guy? I don't know who the other guy was. I need to find out who it was. It's a pity I wasn't there to remind him who it was. <laughs> Mr. Ward. Oh, was he the third? Was he I'd the... imagine so. Oh, I didn't even remember your name at the time, but look how much things have changed <laughs> in the last 48 hours. We're on a podcast from Public Stitcher, SoundCloud, <laughs> iTunes, Snapchat. And just to actually mention the show, we're going to have a big recap, uh, season recap, look ahead to um, next year as well, but also we're going to talk about our sort of our team of the season, our uh, Guests of the season in a team as well. And quietly in the corner over there is Shane Supple. Uh, Shane, it's been great to have you on a couple of times this season. You know, we've, we've heard about the Bose project and all that. But for you guys to finish within four points of fourth with the budget that you supposedly have and all that was an incredible achievement, I thought. And you're staying on for a while longer as well. Yeah, signing for two more years. And yeah, it was a great season in the end for the lads. And um, we finished it strongly. And was a, we're a bit off finishing fourth, but I think um, uh, it was a good season overall when we look back on things and how it started as well in particular. So, yeah, delighted to be staying on, though. Did you expect that you'd be here uh, when you came over to Ireland? Did you expect you'd be at Bowes as long as you're now going to be? Um, I didn't know, really, to be honest, how I'd take to the league, how I'd get back into the swing of things, but um, it's, it's a club that's down the road for me. <laughs> I went to school around the corner from it. Um, and I've enjoyed my time down there and I said I've been a year and a half I'm going to be there for another two years all going well and I, I'm delighted to be there and I, I really love it down like in, in Bowes as well so um, I'm happy out I suppose your only thing now at Bowes is that you're going to lose players um, it's inevitable I suppose at a club like that yeah possibly there might be a few but I think we've got a, a good group of lads there that um, enjoyed playing with each other this year um, and if we can keep the core group together and we might lose one or two again that's obviously going to be dictated by the budgets and what other teams can do to entice you know certain lads away from us so but we, I'd be hopeful we keep the majority of the squad together that the gaffer wants to keep and, and potentially uh, add a couple to it and, like people have spoken that Bose could uh, you know be contenders for Europe next season um, is, is it ingrained in you that we're not on enough money to actually go as high as like Rovers or Bowes or rather Derry? Like, whereas Bowes, not that long ago, were a very you know, title-challenging club. Now, obviously, you've settled into the move uh, to, the, to the revised daily mount and all that, but how, how, how far can you go with that kind of calibre of players you have at the moment next season? Yeah, again, I think it all depends on the people, the players and the management team. Um, that's going to have a massive part on where, how far we go. And I think we've got a good bunch of, of players, good characters in the group as well. And if we can add the right lads to that group, there's no reason why we can't. I don't think it's an excuse to say that the budget's and this and that. Maybe just the size of the squad would, would, would possibly, with the you know the new format next season, there's going to be a lot more games, midweek games as well, potentially. So that could affect us uh, more so than any other, other teams uh, with the size of our squad. But other than that, I, I don't see it. And I wouldn't be using it as an excuse why we can't achieve it. So we'd be definitely looking looking to you know try try break into that top four let's talk cup final Dan uh, what did you make of it yeah I, I mean I think 
okay, there was the, I think the attendance given was 24,000 or something like that. And I don't know, might need the man from sort of Stokes, Kennedy Crowley or something to come in and, and advise over that. Because I, I, I got the sense in the stadium, I, I didn't feel like 24,000 crowd, but whatever. Um, I think there was a bit of bad luck in terms of the promotion of it. I think the two Premier League games that were on that day was just unlucky. You couldn't account for that. The fixture list comes out in June, July. Um, you know, they did try and do a few things. There was a few radio ads. I did, like, I've heard people say there was no promotion on TV and radio. There was. I heard some radio stuff to start last week. Um, you know, they did a sort of a, you know, they ran a free bus to the press days and stuff like that. So there was the thing with Preston as well. They went over to do stuff with Horgan and Boyle. And so I'm not saying they, there was nothing done. Um, it's wrong to say that. I think there's people, you know, in the FBI who do care about promoting it. But uh, I just thought overall it was just really disappointing. Uh, the real lack of, of buzz building up to it. This whole situation where um, it's all built towards people getting tickets on the day. For example, there was this great idea, I thought, a club's initiative that two adults and eight kids for €20. Euro. Uh, I think it's a fantastic idea. It's the type of thing that should be done. Um, it was announced on Thursday. It was announced three days before the game in the middle of the school holidays. Um, so if you're outside of Dublin, I don't know how you're going to organise the logistics of getting sort of, you know, those people up in that short space of time. Even within Dublin, I think it's complicated. Um, teams, let's say teams that are training Tuesday, Thursday or whatever, comes out on Thursday, maybe they go to training that night. You, you can organise it. But when you leave it that close, it's, it's just awkward for people. I, I heard subsequently that, that that initiative was agreed several weeks back, and I don't know why it took that late to, to come out. Um, I have, I had a, for example, I, I know several people who were put off again by this Ticketmaster policy. You go onto the Ticketmaster website, there's one block available. Um, it's in the top tier of the stadium. Um, people then get to the stadium on the match day and they see loads of empty seats on the, the lower tier. I know people who were put off by it who just weren't, who were just like, no, I'm not going to go there. And then they watch it on TV and they're thinking, well, why does that now there is a, a part of an excuse for that the clubs get their allocations um for, you know individually and they get the better seats on the lower tier the women's cup final teams have their tickets as well and some of them get up and leave and that's why there is space but still it's really unsatisfactory um the the, the way in which that happens and there is an attitude it seems well it's okay go along on sunday you'll get you'll get something sorted on the day people don't plan things like that now like we're in a time where people there's like a card culture people do you know do things online they do their shopping online they do whatever you can't just say go along to the stadium on sunday and it'll all be okay because the people who went long, like I know my parents went to the game and stuff, long security queues, um, you know, issues getting into the ground. All I understand why that is, but it's not a supporter-friendly experience. I, I think of a friend of mine who was trying to get a ticket for his brother for the disabled section, made three phone calls, two emails to the FBI this week, um, no response, told to be called back twice, no replies. Uh, again, the attitude was, we'll come along on Sunday and you might get sort. Didn't actually get a formal response, it must be said. But uh, privately, I tried to sort it out and, yeah, I would tell him to go along on Sunday. On he the didn't day. get any formal Th response? No, no. And, and in the end, um, ended up not going, making other plans. Because, you know, you need, you need a bit of order for these things. And, like, I understand there's a playoff going on this week. It's a big game. I understand that... Um, it was school holidays last week and it did seem like quite a few people in the FAI were, were off. Um, and you know, that's what Just happens happened to be the week of the cup final. out of office auto reply, you know? But that's 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 not good enough for like and I okay, I take it I take the point that I mean ten years ago the FAI Cup final was in Tala. 
or was in the RDS, like I think like the Sporting Fingal Slugger Rovers game, I think there was maybe like 8,000, 9,000 people at it. So you get to the point where you're like a bit disappointed by like 24,000. Um, it, it shouldn't be that. And, and maybe there's an element of fatigue that, you know, same team, three clubs, you know, three years in a row and so on. But I just don't like feel enough has really been done I mean there's individual people who care but collectively there's just no real push behind John the game Levy. I find it really disappointing I just thought there was a lot of disappointing stuff last week what's your take on that um, I suppose like everything Dan's raised there is very interesting you know to hear that and especially the you know the things where he has inside experience of you know your friend that was applying for the tickets and stuff and that's something that I, I wouldn't have known about I just think the cup final is the showpiece event of the League of Ireland every year it's the biggest it should be our showcase for you know, for everyone, anyone looking in should say, wow, look at that for an occasion. It's unbelievable. Imagine going to play in that league. Imagine that that is your prize at the end of the year. If you can get there, you go to this incredible stadium and you go to play there. And I think it should be promoted as such and, and worked around as such. I agree with the idea with the kids as well. Yeah. Like, I mean, can I ask you, John, there was promotional yeah. photos of you with Stephen O'Donnell. Yes. Were they done in the last couple of weeks or were they from earlier in the season? Those no, sorry. they were done. Uh, we played Derry on a Tuesday night. Yeah. Uh, the night we picked, we picked up the league trophy that night, or we won, we won the league yeah. that night, and the following morning, then I had to drive up to. It's on them. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I, I, I just like I was speaking to a friend of mine again who went to the game, not a League of Ireland fan at all. Just even small things like making it accessible to people. Even the match program, they like, didn't even have squad numbers and stuff like that. You know, he texted me during the game, going. Who's the numbers? Who's the, what's the player? It's just, it's just little things. It's just small things like that. That I've spoken to people in the FAI who've actually said they would like tickets to be sold months in advance coming up to the game. Because that's a very common thing. If you go on to Ticketmaster now, you can buy tickets for games that are months from now. Yeah. And uh, even in England, I think with some of their finals, there is an attitude that you, you sell tickets to clubs across the year. Whereas this one, it was just like... It was uh, with three days' notice, so let's try and push it all out. Let's roll it out. And I just, it was. Uh, what did you make with Shane? Yeah. I was in and out of a few of the bowls last, and I was sitting there looking at it, and I was looking up to the top tiers of the stands, and I go, Why are there people up there? Like, and there's people around me, there's seats all around me, just for the atmosphere of the game. And I know during the year going into Crow Park and watching league games and that, like, they close off the top tiers. So obviously, they have an idea that. We're not going to break twenty five thousand or whatever. That yeah. why don't we like behind the two goals was great atmosphere with the yeah. Dundalk fans and Cork fans. But why not keep everyone down below the lower and the top tiers and make it a better atmosphere and it looks better as you said for the for the league and it's our showpiece final of the year. So I don't understand how they can't make that happen. Yeah, I think there is an element that they give the tickets to the clubs. You know, I don't know how many each they get. I don't know. I don't know. Let's like say eight or ten thousand each, and you know. There is an incentive for the clubs that they sell those tickets. There's probably more in it for them financially to sell the tickets themselves. I get that. But when it becomes obvious, I mean, I heard some of the totals during the week. There was absolute garbage rumour going around that Dundalk had sold 12,000 tickets and, and um, you know, Cork were a bit behind. I think there was that between them. I mean, it was definitely that between them. That would sound them. right, It yeah. was 100% that between them. Um, so you would think there's a point where, okay, the clubs, there's a communication on Wednesday, Thursday, where are you at? Okay, let's make this block down here open so if people go on Ticketmaster. I guess if I'm going to put on the Uber FEI security hat here and explain it, maybe they're thinking, well, if we put on the lower tier, will fans from Cork end up close to it and dog section? Will this end with some kind of issues or difficulty but oh, come on you know I don't I, I think that's a real uh, negative way of looking at it I shouldn't be so down on it but I think we need I, to push for a bigger crowd than 24,000 I think you have to want more you have to strive for more and like 
when you do a really good initiative about getting kids and people around the country, because we mentioned the ladies' final before, and like, uh, we, and it was an amazing attendance, and like we're saying, that we're not teasing in the about Gaelic football. Yeah, the, the ladies' Gaelic football final. Sorry, that teasing about it, but like you know, the sound of sort of screaming kids. But I mean, it was a real, you know, that that was what they targeted. Like they targeted teams. You know, yeah, it was there, a family there, affair. Very there, much. There was even well. a time years ago. I don't think you'd even could play games on FEI Cup final day, even at schoolboy level or or junior level. I certainly think around Dublin anyway that was the case but there was other stuff going on on Sunday I I just think really from a far off approach like I think the cup final shouldn't be about there's no okay there's always an element of the two semi-finals you know are over and you only have a limited window but I still think from July August you should be looking at it, getting on to school by clubs getting them up and, and getting more people into the stadium for the day because just the optics of it aren't great people tune into it and they see these gaps and I agree I do agree as well people buy tickets for the top tier and then they get there and they see the, the lower tier you're thinking what what what's, what the hell has happened here Absolutely. Fairly lonely actually have my brother my brother was up in the top tier for the game mm. the other day and you know you're looking down and there was a section direct it was in the corner um on the Cork City side actually yeah, yeah. and it was almost Completely empty, and yeah. it's you know it's just, as you say it's just optically and also for the experience of the the one sitting up in the top tier. I mean it's obviously much better to be down closer to the pitch and you know pitch side action. You can see the players up close and things. So um, definitely there's 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 a lot that can be improved on that side of things from a match day experience point of view. What you actually make of the game, Shane? I thought it was okay. I thought it was probably better than previous cup finals, previous years, and that. Um, I thought the two keepers did very well <laughs> in the game. Uh, I must say. Yeah. Uh, no, I thought there was a bit more action in the game and I, I, I did enjoy it especially the second half um, Dundalk issued a statement strangely enough in which they said they, the better team didn't win which I, I found I well I don't agree with that actually um, I thought the, the, the team with most of the ball didn't win but that's yeah, what did relevant. you what, no, yeah, I, what I, did you no, I, thought I, it was I wouldn't strange. agree with that like, you know to be fair um, I think they both have enough chances to, to, to win the game each as well but uh, no, I thought Cork went for it a lot of the time and and Shep was up there on top on his own for a lot running around and trying to make things happen and that but uh, yeah obviously Dundalk are going to be you know the, the team that's you're going to say plays the better football potentially but I wouldn't go along with, with that Yeah Dan you you, you, you maybe spoke to Stephen O'Donnell as well after the game his comments were quite interesting Yeah I thought he was of, of all the uh, Dundalk players I thought he his, his views were the most interesting and he was more angry rather than distraught and I think his whole attitude was that when you get 1-0 up in that situation you have to handle it better and they gave away you know, a very promising position um, and I didn't get the sense he was sort of peddling a hard luck story I think he was looking sort of introspectively at, at what went wrong as opposed to sort of saying well we were moved here it, it's, it is sort of interesting I think if Cork had got that winner in the 90th minute when Rodgers had made that great save mm. um, it would have been an interesting mm. analysis afterwards because Cork hadn't really played in the second half and then if they'd sort of nicked it then it, it would have been a Maybe a, maybe a slightly different discussion, but actually the extra time performance and how Cork finished the game in extra time, I think it sort of almost enhanced their contribution to it and the analysis, and it makes it less of a of a hard luck story for the talk. And, and one thing I would say was interesting: they did watch extra time back last night just to. Cause sometimes you're at the game and at the time and you don't really. Um, I would have thought the last two finals in extra time, even last year, even though Cork won it last year like the Dundalk had the interrupted prep, they finished really strongly. The year before 2015, definitely, I think they were a stronger team in extra time. Physically, I thought Cork were actually strong at the end of the game this year. And like mm. that's, a, that's a big difference, I think, across the season. We've seen 
the doc picked up a lot of injuries this year and and Cork have improved and and the guys even the not even the subs but the guys who've been on the whole game were strong at I the think end. they would and say I that for Dundas conditioning they've been known for that down through the years but as well I think you got to think the last couple of years they've been on the road right up until December especially last year and um, so it's been a long long year and a half two years you think it's caught up with them in I some think way? you'd have to say it would looking at that and especially the, the extra time like Cork did look stronger physically in that as well yeah. and, and conditioning wise I think they did and that's not something you'd, you'd, you'd say about Dundalk because mm. down through the years they've always been conditioned really well and probably above everyone else in that sense but Cork definitely showed they had and I think it's caught up with them a little bit mm. definitely but I think even I don't know if you, if you were involved in some of the earlier games this year but yeah. it does seem that whatever gap that was there physically has been completely closed yeah. I mean, it's gone I think now you know very much so but like that there's an awful lot of work obviously goes on behind the scenes yeah. for you know for that to happen and I think as well what happened this year and it was very noticeable to me I actually I spoke to Gerald Morrissey yesterday and I actually said it to him that I think this year in particular him as an example and another one would be Gary Buckley for example I think they matured very very much this year and became you know real men in the team um, and, and started to control games. I mean, if you look at Gary Buckley this year, he's he's a big man now. He's a strong man and he can play. And you look at Garrod, the engine that he's got. And I think it's it's a case of they've matured and they've become really, really you know good quality players. And that gap, as you say, that gap that may have been there before um, has, has very much closed now. And I don't think, you know, I think when we come up against Dundalk now, it's where a couple of years ago maybe they had a, an edge over us for you know, for a while, I think that's probably eroded now, and and you know we would go into those games now feeling much more confident. You know, what was your access to the dressing room and that beforehand, or how how does it work when you're injured? Ah, well, I was in there the whole time. Like I, I go in before the game, and and just when the boys are getting getting changed and stuff, go away for a cup of tea. Then and then when they come back in from the warm up, I go back in. And so and did they have the like and stuff like dartboards and on the walls <laughs> and all like? Uh, what was the motivation? That's you, it. Yeah, just see, each player kind of in, yeah. the, in the cubby holes and stuff. You well, know, you so. certainly seem to be um, fairly pumped up for it. Certainly afterwards. Anyway, like uh, what Johnny's was just asking, was there any pictures of him in there? That's <laughs> yeah. really the question here. What was because, uh, in fairness, you have to give Johnny C a lot of um, plaudits because he made two massive changes. Uh, Campion, who's yeah. hasn't been been scoring goals but has worked hard, and Bulger was a fascinating one. We, we now learned he signed for Shamrock Rovers, but he had a huge influence on the game. Um, is, is Caulfield's motivational speech on the day was that instrumental in, in, in especially in extra time as Dan says you finished the game very well um, like to be honest with you in a game like that really if you need to be motivated for the game you have to take a good hard look at yourself do you know what I mean and I don't think our lads needed any motivation for that um, I think we probably you know as a whole as a group had a bit of a gripe with um, not maybe getting enough credit we've, for dealt, we've dealt with that John yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> that's, you know but as, as a whole and the, let's just say the media as a whole not just you Johnny um, um, maybe not giving us enough credit or whatever and um, I think it was just it, it was you know it was a way it was vindication for the lads I suppose for the work that we've put in and the performances that we put on over the course of the year um, and you know finally now that the boys got the plaudits that you know that we feel we deserve I, I think an Irish sports team think an Irish sports team will ever win an event and come out afterwards and say <laughs> We were totally a lot of people gave us a chance year. before the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot but of people wrote us in for I'll this tell you one, what was you interesting, know. though, Dan. The role of McCormick in the game. He didn't man-mark McElhenney like he's done before. And uh, it didn't seem to really matter that much. And 
I have to say, Caulfield because McElhenney was dropping he was dropping very, he was very, dropping very, deep. Very deep. He was dropping, and it was it was almost like Dundalk weren't almost aware of their shape at times. Whereas Cork, they knew their game plan. Like, and you made this point the Independent on Monday. They played them five times a season. They haven't beaten them once, and that no. that's what's the difference in winning the league and not winning the league. Well, and that's the difference in not winning the cup. But, but this is the point. I mean, I know we're and not to go back, but we were you know when Cork's form was was sort of ropey towards the end. But I think we said it here a couple of times where. You know that intern has crossed that night. As much as Benson got the late goal, you saw why Cork won the league that season. You know why, why this was Cork's year. They were better on the night. They were more tuned in. They were just sharper, just in terms of their application and uh, concentrated and focused. And you know Dundalk haven't been that really across the year. I was know? disappointed in Dundalk. I, yeah, I can see why you would. I mean, I thought, I mean, a lot of the game, McElhenney dropping deep. I mean, O'Donnell had loads of the ball in the second half and um, and Benson was there, but th- there weren't, there was no real penetration no, at there all. Was nothing. There was nothing. You get the sense as well, Shane, they have the ball, they're not going to lose the ball, but like, there's no sense that there's yeah, any yeah. danger. And it, when you're playing one up top as well, like, you know, you're, 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 you are a little bit one dimensional. And maybe the, you know, the players they've brought in, Dylan Connolly didn't have a great game when he came on. We've got, um, the the uh, Jay McGrath was a little bit quiet as well, but like, what did you make of Dundalk's performance? I think they're not the Dundalk we're used to to watching. Definitely not, and it's taken them a long time. I know they had the period during the season where they went on the run, and they're looking stronger. And probably coming into the the game, the cup final, you'd be thinking maybe after Cork winning the title finally, um, that maybe this is Dundalk's time to you know get catch them with the form they were in. But obviously, did this early part of the season caught up with them. Um, and not missing the players that they lost as well, and trying to find you know a settled team and how they are going to play together. And obviously they brought in one or two as well in the in the um, the window. And I don't think they've kind of gelled gelled yet, um, or, or know each other well enough yet. Um, again, if they lose more players in the in the off season, you know how is that going to affect them? Um, where Cork seem to have you know a good group of lads there, a core group they've had for the last number of years. They have been knocking on the door and. You know, they've taken advantage now this season, whether it's Dundalk being on the road for so long or did the changes in the squad and all that, but like Cork are fully deserving of, of what they've achieved this year. We're talking yeah, fine margins, obviously. Well, yeah, so but I think, I think what winds up some of the Cork you know, lads or fans is that we sort of viewed our success through the prism of what did Dundalk do wrong, you know, what the, you know, as opposed to what Cork sort of did right, you know. And I, I think that, like, I think you could see on, on, on Sunday that, it was a real skill in terms of how he neutralised and dark at times too. Like Gannon didn't really get forward that much, and he's that's one of their big strengths. And um, I mean, Bennett's so good, like, and, and yeah. the sort of the the discipline that they never really got pulled out. Like, how many times did McMillan get into any sort of one-on-one situation at all? It didn't really. What didn't can really, you say didn't about really in the game. I mean, just the, the collective strength yeah. of the, the Cork side is, is such it. an impressive thing. And they are the teams that always win leagues. You know, really, the teams, as, as much as it was Maguire's goals, and of course, there's no dispute in that. Like, he was still top scorer for two thirds of the season. But it was also the fact that they didn't really give cheap goals away. You know, even the type of goal that, that Dundalk conceded for the equaliser, you know. Offside trap gone wrong. Yeah, it, um, that didn't happen really. Just, just, just on Alan Bennett as well, like you know, what can you say about him? You know, he's it's not it, what is he now thirty five, thirty six. I to be honest, I suppose like everyone can see the quality that he's got as a player. He's just he's a leader on the pitch, and I think it's probably it's one of those things where you know people would look at him maybe and say you know he's not that fast or whatever, but he never needs to be. 
because he's never in the wrong position. His positional sense is unbelievable. You never see him in trouble, really, or very, very rarely, anyway, that I've seen him in trouble. And, I, like, outside of that, then, he's just brilliant to have around the place, like, as a, as a leader and a, and a man, you know, around the place. He's, he's, he's just a great fella, you know. Where are you at the moment in terms of your recovery? Like, it's going fine. Um, I'm probably I'm probably about halfway through it, I'd say, as it stands. I'm almost back running and stuff, and, like, that's going to be brilliant for me. Um, speaking of running, actually, I'll tell you one small story from the Cup final that... <laughs> This would not. He told me now. This would not have come out had we had we lost the game. He would have taken it to his grave. But um, Stephen Dooley, the night of the game, so he went up to bed anyway and tried to go to sleep. But whatever, half eleven, twelve o'clock, couldn't get to sleep. He's tossing and turning. Looks at his phones. Two o'clock in the morning. Tries to go back to sleep again. Tossing and turning. You know yourself, and you get angry at that stage. You know because you, you just can't switch off. And his head's wrecked. So four o'clock in the morning, he looks at his phones. Four o'clock in the morning, he says. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something about this here. So he gets up, pulls on a pair of shorts, pulls on a pair of runners, goes down to reception in the hotel, runs around, does a lap of the hotel. This right? is Saturday night. This is Saturday night. Done a lap of the hotel just to get a bit of fresh air. Came back in, went up to the lad at reception. He said, have you got any newspapers? So the lad went and got him a newspaper from the day before, gave him the newspaper. He went up to his room, read the paper till six in the morning, fell asleep. He got about two and a half hours sleep, got up, had his breakfast, back to bed again, and then went and played the game. Jesus, the paper probably tipped and dark as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but he, what you've always spoken about him as a talent, but um, especially earlier in the season as part of that tree, he was excellent. Oh, he's he's phenomenal. Like genuinely, his ability and training and stuff like that is is frightening, and physically as well. I don't, you can't really see, but like when he's in the gym and stuff like that, you want to see this man to do a pull up. I mean, he he's a monster, genuinely so strong. Um, and then when you when you add his feet and stuff to that, he's just he's, he's an incredible asset to have in any team, I'd say. The celebrations must have been pretty cool as well. Now you can probably hear my voice a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm suffering. All right. Keep any, spe- the, any speeches now? Keep the questions sporadic. You know there any, I mean? any speeches for these celebrations? No, no, none, viral, no, no virals at all. None videoed time. anyway. None videoed this time. <laughs> phones, all phones were off. <laughs> Put the old phones yeah. in the pint glass when you come in or something. Ah, yeah. no, look, sure. It was a brilliant couple of days. Like we came back and we had the homecoming in Cork yesterday, um, and there must have been there was thousands of people in the street to to welcome us back. It was. I mean, the atmosphere was unreal, and obviously, like the ladies, the ladies won as well, and the under 17s uh, won the All Ireland as well. So, it's been a pretty outstanding month for the club, you know. In, in all seriousness, and we're joking about the, uh, you know, the, you've almost had this sense of trying to prove people wrong. But is it a new challenge now that from double winners you start next season sort of on the perch as such? You know, you are the, you've been chasing them dock down. Now you've got there. You're on top of the top of the tree. So is it a, is it a new motivation to go again from from this position? It probably is. It's, it presents its own different challenges and different pressures. And I think um, we actually discussed it among ourselves there one day how you know the Cork public always strive for more for us as well. Like people won't be happy without success in Cork now because we're you know we've had trophies for the last two years and at the end of the day that's the pressure that's on us. We have to we have to win more. Um, but I think it's a pressure that the boys will thrive under. As I said. Um, a lot of them have a lot of the boys and as a group I think as a whole we've come together and it's, uh, I, I think I talked about it the last time I was in it's just a great group to be part of there's nobody I mean you'd sit with anyone in the dressing room even in the celebrations and after and stuff you know all the boys will be having a drink with everyone really there's no clicks or nothing like that um, and it's brilliant to come in every morning to a group like that so 
you know, I, I'm going to assume that most of the group's going to stay together or, you know, that's what, I suppose that's the manager's job. Do you think job. that's genuinely been a factor and people say, I know we're talking about Jeff, but even, okay, one or two will probably go anyway, but do you think that closeness has in some way played into people's decisions? Oh, no doubt about it. Like, well, like I suppose if you look back at the, let's say, of the last five years, if you look at the Dundalk team that was successful, there was very rarely any changes in that team when they played from week to week. Um, the back four was the same back four the midfield was the same midfield and the front three played together all the time and I think that has a massive bearing on things um, and you know we'd be similar we'd be similar down there and very much outside of training we would spend a lot of time together you know a lot of the boys would have a coffee club and stuff like that now the, you know it, it just depends it could be anyone coming into coffee club really that's the you know that's the beauty of it I suppose um, but it's just, as I say, a great, really close group, close knit. Shane, are you anyway envious that you're not part of a team? Because people would say you're the best keeper in the league, but you're playing at a club that's been mid-table. Anyway envious you're not with Dundalk or Cork or one of them? No, not at all. No, I'm ha- like I love the club I'm at. Um, I suppose I can relate a little bit to what Johnny's saying there in terms of the the group you know that he's he's playing with and the together togetherness of that group. I think we've got something similar, although we're not you know competing for trophies at the moment uh, the way the lads are. But we we've got something similar. At, at is it as good a bunch as you've been with in terms of your yeah definitely in, in in soccer definitely has been you know I, it's been the best group I've I've been involved with. Um, there's no clicks um, or anything like that. We get on very well together. I suppose we're not full time so we can't have the coffee clubs that the lads have you know but um, what's up <laughs> yeah exactly that's where all the banter's at yeah. um, but now we, we get on really well together there's no bad eggs in the group and they wouldn't be tolerated if, if there was so um, it's, it's, it's you know, a very enjoyable year for me what, what can you say about Keith Long and Crawley just the job they've done um, because let's be honest the people were tipping balls go down early on season and you're nowhere near it at the end you're actually closer to finishing in Europe yeah yeah and you can see why they would but um, with the budgets and stuff like that but the Gaffer Keith has been unbelievable and, and Trevor's been a massive addition this year to the, to the group because of you know what he's brought to the table and his coach and I've haven't experienced a coach like him before in my life to be what, honest what sets him apart just the way he talks to lads the way he explains sessions and you know the detail he goes into but it's it's you know, lads can understand it you know it's not um, it's not difficult for them to understand he's made some players into better players this year and you know, compared to what I've seen last year, like some of the lads are flying, and it's from it's the likes of Trevor, and it, he's taking a bit of pressure off the gaffer as well, because uh, the gaffer was trying to do everything last year, um, and it, it's just not possible. Um, so from from that point of view, it's it's been great for the club, and he, he's a good, um, I suppose, a coach for the boys to go to and, and chat to as well. He's his doors always open. He's always willing to help. It's more limited in terms of um, what we have to work with, um, like our you know video analysis and stuff like that it's you know compared to some of the other teams but Trev would always do his best to try you know sit down with lads and help them improve their game we've got a lot of young guys there and um, some have come back from the UK and some have kicked on and potentially gone to the UK now as well and Trevor's played a massive part in in their um, development this year as well so um, it's, it's been a great job the two boys have done and they deserve huge credit for it. I know they probably won't get or Keith mightn't get manager of the year because John will get it but I'd say he's a close second to him Definitely. Just were you stunned by the car shepherd's apparent U-turn, or you know, we all you hear all sorts of stuff, you know, and it looked like he was a it was a done deal, a done dog. So obviously the celebrations and that maybe have changed his mind, and he's staying. So you it happens in, in football, though, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, people change their mind. Yeah. I had a, I had a segue there, Dan. Oh, go yeah. for it. Sorry, it's good. <laughs> your smooth segue. So, so, so uh, you, he featured in the goal of the season competition against yourself, and as did, he, did he actually get in the goal of the season? Burn. No, he actually. 
He no, was in. He was in the. He, happy no, he complained. He complained uh, to Soccer Republic. Yeah, yeah, Don't yeah. think Soccer Republic folded like Johnny Ward would. To be fair, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you, you're a good one. You're a good one. You, you had a very good view of um, yeah, the Shin. Of, of yeah. both the, the Shin. Right. Are you? Are you going to? We actually had our, our final poll of the final show of the year is the goal of the season, and Carl Shepherds is actually on top again. We might have the Cork Mafia on this. Uh, Conan yeah. Byrne against Bowes, twenty eight percent. Carl Shepherd thirty four percent. Patrick McElhenney against Pat thirty percent. Let's and Sean Russell against Sligo. Not a bad goal at all. Only six percent. Let's have a chat about this. We got to start with you, Shane, though, because you were culpable for two of those goals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold my hands up for one, <laughs> for the other one. Were you were you at fault for Conan Byrne? No, definitely not. Were you at fall for ship? No chance. So he was just waving at it. So mm. yeah. So I didn't. Uh, yeah. Which was a better goal? Um, I would say Conan's. Um, from my view, it looked like Shep Shinde. <laughs> 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 just to wind them up. Um, but yeah, Conan's unbelievable strike. I remember when he hit it. Like he just thought, "There's no point. Don't even try to go for this." Like just. And I look back on it and I thought my position is okay in relation to the ball. And I, I watched it because I, I, you know, it's not nice obviously to be done from that distance, but um, it's never happened before. But I look back and I thought, like the way it's just landed to him, and he's turned and walked onto it and struck it, and it's just the tra- trajectory of the ball. I thought, don't even bother going for it. You see, I turned around and kind of jog, half jog back for it, but I just knew it was going in the back of the net. So yeah, and you tempted to like throw your arm. No, up no, the no air I didn't want to give it. I mean, that make it look even better. Like, and I didn't want to do that because I've seen them in the past. The likes of Steve Harper for them. Um, uh, Newcastle, I think it was. Yeah, uh, and yeah, he was Neil Sullivan for Rooney, Rooney yeah, or Beckham, Beckham, sorry, the famous yeah, yeah, one. He sort of did a little hop into the air yeah. at the I end. They always make it look better, the divers or the attempts. I saw Neil Sullivan and Benno play together for AFC Wimbledon against Bradford. Oh, yeah. in, in um, Sullivan was like 41 or 2, and he'd come back to, I suppose, a new incarnation, and Benno was... How old was he? How old was Benno? 37. <laughs> would have been about 30 31 but I thought he was a bit of a veteran at the time and here he is five years later but we're going to the boy Owen has introduced another poll to us here who's been the best keeper in the league this season and I'm give the options I'm that you had I'm going to give the people who are listening may not have seen all of this Johnny Shane Supple Conor O'Malley Gary Rogers and Mark McNulty and the winner is Dan I don't, I don't know. know you've McNulty. got the in front of you <laughs> what do you think uh, probably the Cork lads would probably voted. Who who would you give? This is like uh, the Premier League. Arsenal win all the competitions because all, all the fans, all the fans. Who is the this best problem keeper? Of public votes. Who is the best keeper in the, the best league? keeper? Oh, I'm trying to think who I actually put forward for this. I actually might have put forward Chain, but then I don't want to be a bit like. Go on, tell us, fan. tell us already. Yeah, I, 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 I don't want to. I don't want to be. We don't sorry. want the whole sort of me and even Chef sort of a dynamic for me and Shane at this time. Like Ralph Wiggum sending the Christmas card to Lisa Simpson. You choose, choose me. And there's a picture on a train on it. Shane Tuffle got 31%. He's only five behind. Conor O'Malley, who actually would have been my selection. Cheers. But. With a very <laughs> close call now. Just, just, tweet, just, tweet, just tweet and let Shane. <laughs> I, I, to be, to be honest, he'll go back on it. I, I do think uh, he'd an awful lot to do early in the season. He'd, he'd so many saves. Yeah, no, he made some incredible saves, like unbelievable worldly saves, like you know you wouldn't see <laughs> across the water. Like so, I, I agree with you there. Definitely, Mark's had an unbelievable year as well. I think he fully deserves it for his contribution to you know Cork's success. That's very year. magnanimous. So, Chair Dart, he was. Uh, I think there's some rumours he might have got the players' vote at the PFI when I was. Is he un- well, un- un- unlucky to be left out there? Or? Um, um, I don't know. I, I don't know. What about I'm not sure if that's the best keeper in the league? Um, well, Shane's sitting right across from me now, but no, I look. Uh, obviously, I've been playing with Ults for the last six years, and I, I, th- I think for me, anyway, I think he's the best keeper in the league and has been for quite a while now. Um, I suppose I see him every day, day in, day out. And Is like, he underrated? In my opinion, yes, 100%. Like, you very, very rarely see him make a mistake. 
very very rarely um and i think he's probably he probably just has been underrated for a while and obviously look he's been in the news for the last week or whatever for some of the things he may have said um, but he did to be fair well he did to yeah. be fair you were next to him on stage yeah. like i was <laughs> i was close enough to him all right but like i suppose look it was all you know it was all a bit of crack on the night or whatever it was all a bit of banter and stuff and i mean like as i say i've known Nulls for a long long time now and, I, and genuinely he's a brilliant fella um i'm one of the best around the dressing room like a proper a proper joker like he's just he's great to have around the place it wouldn't be the same without him i think we'd everyone at the club would agree on that it wouldn't be the same without him but i think now he's also getting credit for just how good he is as a goalkeeper um and obviously when we needed him at the weekend he more than stepped up to the plate 32 appearances 17 key chiefs do you think he enjoyed all that plus really you know he was in the centre of attention, but like he performed on the day. Like he, some people would, I don't know, would be uncomfortable with that attention. He seemed okay, okay with it, or what do you think? It could have gone one or two ways for him, you know. Mm. At the end of the day, and I think I actually I met his dad, and his dad was sort of saying the same that he spoke to him on Saturday night and said, "Look, you know, tomorrow's your day now to shine." Um, but he certainly handled the pressure very, very well. Um, and when we needed him to step up, when we needed him to save a penalty, you know, he, he did it. How did Stephen Kenny's comments go down in the Cork dressing room? Um, which ones? The ones. Well, the the response to uh, the Mark McNulty's chant on stage and the, the stuff about the sort of disrespecting the uh, the name of Lily White players, past and, and present. Ah, look, we don't take much atten- We don't pay much attention to what other people say. Be in, honest, in John. Come on, I'm be honest. Be, no, no. Can't really say that. The, the players come out after the game. Listen. <laughs> A load exactly. of things that people said across the season. But See, you're going into on. your media training yeah. mode at some point there. Yeah. That's absolute bollocks. Okay. You, you can't pay attention to what everyone says every single week. We you have cannot a, say that. We, have a list. we don't really care what people say. You come out afterwards going through what everyone said all well, season. Give, I suppose that gives us a point to prove. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, more, like in, more like In terms of Kenny's comments... Um, like I suppose we saw we saw what he said, but in the lead up to the game, it just gave us it just added fuel to the fire. I suppose that's all it did for us. It was a hot um, fire at that stage. It was, it was the fire was burning all right. <laughs> um, but you know, look, people say people say things in the heat of the moment. Probably that's what happened notes that night. And I think there's another thing about some phone call or something that was made, and like 100 percent that did not come from any one of our players. Just and uh, I can categorically that was say that, uh, allegedly a phone call that was made. Steve O'Donnell. Uh, I asked Steve O'Donnell. About that, and he certainly played it down. He at no point suggested it was no. that to do with Cork City. This was obviously twelve months ago. That's right. Um, the truth is out there, um, but we're not going to reveal it tonight, obviously, because we don't know the answer. Um, <laughs> 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 How do you look back on the season, though, JD, as a whole? If you're to look, and we, you have a, you know, a very, you're a very polished media performer in weight, and obviously, like the boy Benno, who's uh, done his media tutelage. Uh, <laughs> but. Um, how do you look back in the season? He wasn't Where that polished a couple of minutes ago. No, he wasn't. He was, <laughs> he was too polished. He was too, almost too polished. Yeah, yeah, squeaky. I don't um, know if Chef changed his mind. <laughs> <laughs> look at him over there. <laughs> what, what did you make of the season as a whole um, for Cork City as well? You know, were you disappointed in Europe? You, you, got, you got them there, but you didn't play a part. I look, yeah, it was very frustrating for me to watch on. Obviously, those are the games that everyone wants to be involved in. and um, Like, I don't mean he, what, 10 days before we played in Europe or two weeks. And I, like... It literally went through my head when I was on the ground that I wouldn't be playing in Europe again, and that it killed me to be honest. Um, probably we, we would have liked to have gone further, um, but we came up against a very very good team. In fairness, they had a lot of like their budget was huge as far as I can remember that Larnaca team. Um, they had you know they had some players that were coming back from La Liga and were you know proper good quality. And a team footballers. from that league just got a draw against Dortmund, I think as well. Um, That's from so you're talking about a good standard. Exactly. You're ta- you know you're talking about proper, you know, proper seasoned professionals and I think we saw that probably in the away leg especially where 
they only needed the one goal really to get over the line. And when they got that, they never really looked like conceding again. Um, so, you know, look, it's something for us to build on. And next year we're going to the Champions League and that's going to be massive for the club and for everyone involved and something to be very much excited about. How much of a blow was Bulger's loss? Well, it's a big, it's a blow. It would be a blow to any group because he's like he's an excellent footballer, and you saw what he did when he came on at the weekend. Like, um, and I think that's something we've probably had all year as well. In that, when people come in, they've made an impact. Um, and when he came off the bench at the weekend, he could he could just as easily have sulked, you know. And when he came on, you know, thrown one in and not done anything. But he came on, and I I thought he played a huge part in changing the game. Um, obviously, it was a big call from the gaffer to bring off two centre midfielders, and you know he has to get massive credit for that. Um, and when H came on. Um, look, he, he's been a bit unlucky for a lot of the year and he's worked very hard, but the one chance at the one time we needed him to step up and he did it like, you know. And Good lad in the dressing room. Great lad in the dressing room. He's an interesting character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's... he's, he's uh, yeah, he's he's different kind of thing. You know, he has different interests to a lot of the boys. And such as? Such as stockbroken. That'll be one. Really? Yeah. He's, he's an interest in trading in stocks and shares and stuff like that, which wouldn't be very common, let's probably in most dressing rooms. Yeah, and does he actually have them? Does he have stocks himself? No, yeah, he's yeah, got yeah. his he's got his own portfolio, Dan. Right, yes. a portfolio. Yes. And, like, and what's it, what's in that? Like, you know, let's go big and orange juice to speak lads and stuff like that, yeah. isn't there? Is it? I, to be honest, I don't actually know. I think he, he gave me a tip for something one time and I, I don't think I followed it. Right. So no. it's like a like a tip from Johnny Ward to be fair. Um, well you um, definitely don't follow them. Very nice you'd say that. Um, Shane, how much of a how much of a boost will Bulger be to Rovers next season? Could Rovers win the league next season? Are they that Can't far off? Ask me that question. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm asking you as a. As a are, are Rovers are Rovers far off at the moment? How, and will Bulger be maybe the missing? I think yeah, experience in that. You know, I think he will definitely add to the to their team, to their group. Um, look, they finished third in the end, didn't they? So, um, but you're looking at the boys ahead, Cork and Dundalk. How far are they really ahead? I don't know. It's, it depends who else they get in. I suppose this year and around the close season. Um, to how they're going to push on next season, but they've they've got some good good young players there, definitely. The likes of Trevor's obviously had enough. I I, I think Bulger will be massive, but Dan, we have a few uh, things to get. You have to go through the other positions. We just we just tease. We start with. Please tell me everyone's a Cork player. I bet you everyone's a Cork. I'm pretty sure it is. It's gonna. It's just like (laughs) the best defender in the league this season. Manager as well. This is why democracy doesn't work. The best defender in the league. Uh, The candidates were. Nicholas Vimmeland, who made some interesting comments subsequent to and prior to the Nicholas game. Nicholas Vimmeland, Trevor Clark, Alan Bennett, and Lee Grace. Bennett. Any any one? big uh, absentees there? Um, God, I'm trying to think now. Um, Johnny. D- He's looking at you. Didn't here. didn't play. you know the way at the ratings at the bottom? Didn't play long enough there's, to get a rating. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's probably a certain number of games that you had to get over, Johnny. You know, <laughs> I probably yeah, didn't I get think, there. Yeah, you, I think you you. Uh, he, the but Bennett won with forty one percent. Yeah, vote. and Vemelin fourteen 30, for Clark. Thirty three percent for Vemelin and twelve for Lee Grace. I think I I agree with uh, Bennett. What do you think? Yeah, I think he, at key points of the season and. and key games he was involved like I think he's I mean for all joking aside about his age and so on like they, they probably had to manage things a small bit and I mean you missed Europe but he also missed Europe too that's right Bennett and I think yeah. that was uh, I think that was that loss was felt in those games actually you know but I think there was a bigger picture at stake and they had to mind him and picked up an injury there that rules him out of the league running and you're missing a couple of people then it's a, I think know. it'll be very hard to argue with him not getting it uh, yeah. Shane? to be honest Best defender of the league this season? I think Ben and Arfan from Mullen, for me, possibly. Fibbeland? Um, yeah, I think he's had an excellent season as well. I think he's, we're losing him, aren't we, too? And you've you got to look at it. Would have His been performance against Rosenberg was, was yeah. very, was very uh, good. He would have been a fairy tale story if Dundalk had gotten over the line. You you want to give an honourable mention to a Derry City lad that you rate quite highly as well, the boy Cole. 
You, you, you rate him as a promising player? Yeah, I actually... Um, Funny enough, I was up in I was up in Finn Park this year. Just must have been at home for a weekend, and Finn Harps played Derry, and it was one of Cole's first games. And I just thought he genuinely he was head and shoulders above a lot of lads. He was excellent that night. Um, he can play, he can defend. So yeah, I, I thought he was a, a great addition for Derry when he when he did come in. Must be said, Kenny Shields is sort of scouting network, or whatever. It's Kenny himself or people around him. I mean, they actually it's unbelievable. They got Vemelund as well. They've got Darren Cole, as you said, who was who'd been playing league football in Scotland, but it actually dropped dropped out of it and um, Nicky Law was very good for them yeah no, they, they and that's what they have to do because I mean Derry's are always vulnerable to losing their better players it may well happen again this winter but in fairness to Shields he seems to he seems to find lads that come into the league that are well up to it and you know, other managers have found it maybe harder when they go outside the league to get the right type of player but he certainly doesn't seem to have any difficulty now we did, we did a bit of controversy about the uh, best striker but we did have a Bowes player we have a midfielder. midfielder we have a midfielder to go to we- yeah we did have a Bose player in this. Yes, we had a Fudzer. Um, also known as Fuad Sule, Sule, who was a cousin of Akinadi. And Garrod Morrissey were in there. Conor McCormack and Patrick McElhenney. Who do you think won? Whoever plays for Cork. <laughs> <laughs> and rightly yeah. so. And, they, and even though they had Morrissey and McCormack to split the vote, <laughs> they, 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 was, they clearly managed to sacrifice Morrissey. He yeah. ended up at a, a, a meagre 10%. <laughs> Just and, to get uh, him over the line. And, and McCormick <laughs> turned out. It was like this the, is vote management now. It was like, the old, be proud it was like the old PR. Like <laughs> they, got, they got two people in this district, you know. <laughs> but um, McCormick 39, McElhenney 35. Fuds are 15. Fuds are 15. And I, 10 I, I have to say, I don't, I don't really disagree with McCormick being recognised because he was such a key sign and, and in big games he, he showed up. Like McElhenney's the one you would pay to watch. There's absolutely no, no doubt about it from, from that list and he produces these amazing moments. But again, if you're going to define a season by Cork v and Dock and those five games or oh, four games I mean it's for a staff the President's Cup doesn't really but the, the other four games Conor McCormick won that hands down and in fairness JD what a season he had like because he was a player that people probably wouldn't it wouldn't have raised an awful lot of eyebrows when he joined Cork but you know what the, the defensive role he played yeah big time and like I, I know I understand what Dan's saying and that you know McElhinney's the one you pay to watch but probably from a football purist point of view and maybe possibly from a defensive point of view as well like when I'm up in the stand and you watch McCormick playing in that defensive role wherever the ball goes he just tends to be there like when the ball goes into the front man's feet, he's at the other side picking it up. When the when the centre half stepping in to try and play it into the front man, you might it might look like there's a gap and all of a sudden there's no gap anymore and he'll be picking it up. And I think he, he just he gives us that bite, that bit of steel. I thought his there. bravery when he clashed with Macmillan for the ball went past both them in the box, but he, he threw everything at the body at the ball rather, and um, when it was at nil all, I thought that summed him up. Yeah, that but that just that's just kind of the fella he is. A good lad, great lad, yeah. great lad around the place as well. You're yeah. not going to see otherwise, anyway. Um, <laughs> Fudzer got fifteen percent, and he's a player that obviously a lot of people expect that he will leave, but uh, he's been an absolute revelation. Yeah, he has coming from where he's come from. You know, his first year in senior football as well. He's been he's been a great. I think early on in the, in the preseason, we were thinking, "What this lad ain't going to last." He was uh, struggling with cramping games and everything after 10, 15 Tiny minutes. little lad as well. Tiny lad, yeah, he is. He's very small. Um, but <laughs> he was, uh, he's in co- playing college football as well. I think that's what affected him at the start of the year. But we, I thought at one stage we might, we might lose him. But um, he's kicked on. He's been a great addition. He's a great lad around the dressing room as well. He, we take the mick out of him an awful lot. So, um, yeah, we could be, could be losing him potentially across the water. We're not sure yet, though.
do you like do you when that happens do you like I'm not going to begrudge a lad a move or is there kind of a feeling of sadness or do you just welcome, you know wish them the best for their next ah yeah of course you have to wish them the best you know you never stop a young lad going over and you know pursuing their dream this he's is under a, this contract is as well so they should get a few bucks. Yeah, this, exactly. this, yeah. this, this is obviously an interjection Dan but Duna's been linked with Tranmere now this if Duna goes to Tranmere this kind of annoys me because to the best of my knowledge Tranmere are now non-league in England is that right mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. If, 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 a le- if a player leaves Rovers to join Tranmere and I'm, I don't know what the circumstances are. are. I, I think that's... It's almost like we should be better than that. We shouldn't. There should. It shouldn't be even an issue that you join a non-league club in England. But obviously, it, it may happen in Duna's case. Uh, yeah, well, you don't know what his specific reasons are. Like, I mean, generally, yes, you wouldn't be mad in the idea. I mean, there seems to be some dispute over how did Rovers take their option to retain him as well, and and do they do they get compensation? There might be. <laughs> yeah, that could be a could be a, a talking point because it would be a mistake if they didn't. Um, yeah, I mean, again, every player is different. Like some lads who've never been away. You know, he's young. Want to get away and try it? They haven't necessarily been through the experience of the two lads here. Maybe have been of of going over at sort of fifteen, sixteen, or whatever it might be. So, I I don't know. I, I wouldn't use one case to make a broad thing. I think there's a broader debate about. We'll have a lot of players this winter who will go places um, and uh, you know do, do you would think that like fifty two week deals and stuff like that might address the situation where it's as easy for them to go in the future but we're still getting there a lot more people signing two-year deals now three-year deals and mm, um, that's, that's that's the main factor really to but but i think lads are always going to want to roll the dice and try it because they might think there people around them tell them you may never get the chance yeah, to I go think, again i think though some of the young lads in particular have a, the wrong perception of england as well and mm. it's it just get across thing it doesn't matter where or what level it's at you know and i don't I, I just think that's the wrong attitude to have um i think there's a lot to be said for staying here and you know, especially if you've only broken into the, your your first team in, in the League of Ireland and you've played maybe 20 games, I think, and going to a League Two or a conference team, I'm, I'm not sure on, on that. And unless, obviously, you know, clubs are getting you know money for the for the kid and yeah. stuff like that as well. But listen, you can't stop a lad going over and pursuing his dream. And if he did kick on over there and, and move on to another club at championship level and up higher, well, then fair play. But I just I just think some lads are going to end up back home after a few months and it's not what they thought it would be. Yeah, the th- I don't, what I don't like is lads going on trial and doing a sort of a week's training here and there and stuff like that like that type of thing does happen and like when they do that I think they naturally reduce their value when they when they mm. go in the door and yeah. I've, I've heard sort of anecdotal tales of like very lower lower level clubs in League 2 and place in England you know getting on the club saying is such and such a player who would be like a top player in the league good enough for a trial like good enough for like the minute that person goes and goes into the trial and they go into that yeah. situation, they've I basically mean, knocked they've knocked you know right. half of their salary. The sort of yeah. out the, the, the connotation, the, uh, the connotation of the trial, it's a trial. So that you know even by by definition and name. Oh, very much. So. Like when you go in going in on trial, it's an awfully difficult position to be put in. And like I've been I've been at clubs where someone's come in on trial and before the end of the day they've been picking up footballs from behind the goals. You know, it's uh, most managers, and particularly when you go in, if you go on trial in England at this stage of the season, they're mid-season. You know, the the manager, as a rule, will have a squad picked, will have his own idea of his philosophy and how they want to play. So unless you go over and completely burn it up in a week's training, the likelihood of you getting signed is probably very slim. Um, and another thing to say as well, if, for example, you go over, let's just say my contract was up um, now in November and at the start of November and I went over on trial for a week at the end of November if I get injured over there that's all on me I come back and there's no deal waiting for me at the end of that you know it's a, it's a very it's a very precarious 
place to put yourself in. I understand it's people's dreams and it's what people want to go for and that. But you have to be, you just have to be really, really careful about it and be on a very sound footing before you would ever go. Um, I I just want to mention now that we've gotten to the the best striker in uh, the league for the. We got a lot more no votes debate. for this. No debate. No debate. But there's certainly debate about who should have made the top four because the top four was Macmillan, Maguire, Shepherd, and Murray. And Maguire again, the vote manager from school. Did he, got did, he get a, <laughs> did he get a hundred percent of the votes? Um, he, he, he got seventy-eight. Macmillan got twelve. Murray got six, Shepherd got four. Did you vote for Murray or Shepherd? Uh, I didn't vote, actually, to be honest. <laughs> I thought it was a conflict of interest. But um, the man who controversially wasn't in the top four for the striker of the year is on the line now. And I believe, Shane, you just want to ask him something to you about I just thought uh, we were not disturbing him from his cans of Dutch there tonight. Or <laughs> has he any stories for us from uh, Liverpool? I'm ready to go to bed. You know, Have you put the chiseler down, yeah? He's well down, yeah. Dan and John want to know any uh, stories from Liverpool there last weekend. No, nothing. It was a quiet weekend altogether. Yeah, You're a fan of Dutch gold, are you? <laughs> yes, I am, yeah. <laughs> Does anyone here, like, when was the last time, Dan, you did a can of Dutch gold? 2003, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> JD, you don't designate a <laughs> driver drink. to my left. Yeah. So, Shane, Dutch gold. Would you, would not, you be a fan? Not for me, no, not for no. me, but listen. Each to their own. Yeah, yeah exactly. Each yeah. to their own, exactly. Their own, yeah. You know. yeah, I think Shane is actually Denny's media manager again because, of course, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't come on earlier in the season because Shane told him he couldn't come on. Yeah. And because uh, the media, and now he's basically this is an agreed discussion they've had. Go on about Liverpool, just say nothing happened. And that's him, it. Yeah. Like, for this, yeah. <laughs> the boy Denny, though, in fairness, you were a little bit unfortunate not to get into the top four after was it fifteen goals this season? Yeah, fifteen league goals. Yeah. You you just played. I saw you at Pats last season, and you looked like um, you weren't. I suppose you just weren't really happy. Uh, but this season, it was completely in contrast. Anytime I saw you, even if you didn't score, you were just you just played really well. What was the difference? Just confidence, I suppose. Last season was a disaster. Like I wasn't playing at all, so the confidence was very low. So um, didn't feel wanted or anything, you know. And this season, just the complete opposite. I started off where I scored a few goals and just kept going. Luckily. You scored you scored 13 goals in 23 starts for Bowes in 2014 and a lot of people wouldn't realize you actually scored more goals than half of your starts. You scored 12 goals in 23 starts for Sligo. Um thanks to the boy own for those stats and 15 from 24 starts this season. Um I, especially I don't know in a team that had been written off early on and and Akinadi obviously played later on the season but is this your best season so far? Uh yeah, well, in terms of goals, 2014 was better overall in all competitions. I got 20. But uh, yeah, like playing wise, and it, it has been. I think if I didn't miss so many games, a big chunk of games in the middle of the season, I would have hit the 20 mark again. But unfortunately, I picked up a little injury. But yeah, in terms of my all round games, I think this year was definitely my best year. And you featured in the uh, goal of the season reel as well? Yeah, and it's not like me. I usually get little six yard tap ins or something, but. Luckily got one or two of these ones this year, yeah. Yeah, you got the, it was the goal in Bray and also the one in Drada. Which is your favourite of the two? Uh, probably Drada, just because it's a lot more unlike me. <laughs> yeah. Um, Won't be seen again for a while. Do, you, you've signed on uh, for, I think you've signed on for another couple of seasons, have you? Yeah, yeah. What was the thinking there? I, every impression I get from Bowes, a bit like uh, you know Johnny Levy talking about Cork, you just seem a very happy bunch and it just seems to be really an enjoyable part of your careers. Yeah, that's it. It's just that's it. Like I just, I just love the club. Everything about it. And since I started playing there, there's something about it that's just attracted me to it. And um, 
when I spoke to Keith there a couple of weeks back, I, I don't see why, why I shouldn't sign back. You know, I had a few offers elsewhere, but um, in the back of my mind, I kind of always knew I was going to stay there because I'm, I'm happy and obviously I have family here and a kid now, so it wouldn't really be ideal to go down the country, you know. So, but uh, yeah, it was it was kind of an easy decision for me in the end. Yeah. Uh, what did you make of the cup final, lastly? Uh, to be honest, I didn't watch it. I'm a big Chelsea fan, so I was watching ah, Chelsea geez. and United. You I should be working geez. for the FAI, like. <laughs> I wasn't. I say it was pretty poor, to be honest with you. <laughs> the cup final or the Chelsea game? What? The cup final or the Chelsea game? The cup final. I watched the first half. I, I don't think he's ever coming on the show again, actually. First of all, he admits to drinking Dutch gold. <laughs> and then he was Stephen, watching... Stephen Beattie told me he was a nice fella. I'm just being honest. Yeah, being honest, I'm not lying to you like the rest of the lad, you know? Yeah, well, he's certainly, you know, we can attest to that. So, so on, on this team of honesty then, how offended are you to be left off of a top four strikers list with Maguire, McMillan, Shepard and Ronan Murray? Is that a, an outrage, Denny? Uh, ah, no, it doesn't bother me, to be honest, what other people say, I think. Games the goals the, ratio, though, surely he has to be The goals there. speak for themselves. I don't Absolutely. care what other people The goals say, speak for themselves. There's your answer. There's yeah. your answer. And Yeah, I'd like that, actually. We, no, we, it doesn't bother me at all, to be honest with you. Beautiful. Listen, thanks for coming on the show. Hopefully next season, uh, Bowes will add... Um, Dr- uh, draft Dutch to their list with their craft beer because uh, although I doubt it did, you ever, did anyone ever see Dutch on tap? no no <laughs> no, no. Denise it's been great having you on no bother at all thanks man mate bye bye um yeah, the goals speak for themselves. I love the way, like typical striker, he he invoked um, you know stats that I didn't have about how many goals he got in the season and uh, twenty goals, I think he said from all competitions in twenty fourteen. But I have to say, I admire him so much for coming back from Pats with his yeah. career at a low. Went back to Bowes, and he's just he's a really intelligent player as well. Oh yeah, unbelievable. Him and the Wardy, the way they link up together. I want to see them in training. Um, I was just thinking there when he's talking fifteen goals, but in the last two or three games, he should have had probably seven or eight goals. Uh, against yourselves, Johnny, I think he had a couple of opportunities, and then Dundalk, he had some one that you'd put your house on him to score, and he didn't. But I think he just kind of got to that stage of the year, and he thought that's enough. I've enough and done. Enough done, and he missed the penalty against Finn Harps as well. So the last game of the season, but yeah, I think it's time to pretty much let you go, lads. But just I don't know to both here. Like, what are your hopes for next season? Not necessarily personally, but for the league as a whole. You know what? How are you feeling generally about where things are at as we go into this ten-team league next year, and and, and the direction that, that things are taking, Shane? Yeah, I suppose it's a little bit of uncertainty in terms of how it's going to play out and how it'll affect. You know, especially ourselves, I suppose, with the the number of games being extended and midweek fixtures and all. And for for us to be travelling, you know, during the week when lads are working and stuff, it it could have an impact on us with our small squad potentially as well. We're not going to be able to, you know, boost our squad that much in terms of numbers and that. But I, I like I've really enjoyed it myself. And I said the group I'm in with, I love, I love the lads that I'm playing with, it, and I do enjoy going out every Friday night and playing. And I just hope we can, you know, kick on and and get better for for us as a club and and the league as well, and we we can, you know, improve things our, our game here and and people get on board with us and, and back it as well. So I'm optimistic, but we'll wait and see. Uh, it's been great having you on, Shane and uh, JD. To be fair, 
I think I speak for everyone here. Uh, we, we just hope now that you really c can fulfil your potential next season and get a right clean uh, run at it because at the moment you're a bit like um, a horse, just, you know, a bit like a Don Cossack or a Don Poley. You just, you're, <laughs> you're sidelined too often. I am. I've got glass legs. I'm, I'm tough yeah. to I'd be tough to train if <laughs> I was a horse. Do you know what I mean? It wouldn't be easy. It wouldn't be easy to keep me sound. But you'd, <laughs> you'd run on gamely under pressure. I would, very much yeah. so. Like, you know what I mean? Um, but look, uh, I suppose from a personal point of view, that's, that's exactly it. Like, I, I'm at the minute now, this is probably the, the toughest time coming up for me uh, we're going away for a couple of days with the team to, to Tenerife now which should be interesting but oh like yeah that's going to be fun <laughs> um, but when we come back from there then comes the time in the gym on your own basically when the other lads go home and that's that's when it becomes probably doubly hard um, but hopefully next season it'll all be worth it it'll all pay off and um, as a club as I say the, the pressure on us is going to be a bit different it's going to be you know we're, we're not going to be underdogs anymore um, so there's rumours Johnny Ward cooked a meal for you earlier is that true? well I'm alive so far anyway what, uh, what was the review? How would, you, right. how would you review it? Uh, well, do you know what lads in all fairness now and I know I give him a tough time at the start of the show but for, for a meal I'll, I'll give him a good 7.5 out of 10 I'm not sure I'm happy with that actually. <laughs> Why not? Uh, you want it more? Yeah. Um, thanks for that, John. And, uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on, lads. Uh, well, hopefully, we'll be all here next season again. Uh, hopefully, and uh, you know, I actually am I'm looking forward to seeing the madness uh, that will transpire again next season in the greatest league in the world. And thanks for coming on. Cheers. Thanks for having us, lads. Cheers. Uh, it's just back to me and Dan now. I guess that's uh, where it kind of starts. Just to finish it off. Yeah. Just to finish it off. It's um, like, it's like a sort of uh, like Jerry Springer's final thoughts. You know, we'll just Jerry's sort of, final thought. Let's just review the year that was. I just want to mention uh, one thing. Uh, you know, this this podcast was the brainchild of Chris Blake from uh, Air, formerly of Satanta, um, and obviously the two of us came together, and we didn't really know what was going to happen. And I, I want to thank everyone who's listened in, but I definitely want to thank Air for the for the breath of fresh air that they've been in terms of League of Ireland, and I certainly hope in the future that um, Air's role is. All the more because I think uh, they've been great. I really do. And I think I was actually talking to JD on the way coming up here and the players just absolutely, I suppose they revel in the fact that somebody gives the league, I think, the, the, the dedication that it deserves when it's actually shown of a night. And uh, I think if we didn't have them, I think we'd be in trouble. Yeah, you're a good company, man, Johnny. You're a very good company, man. I, I do agree with those thoughts, you know, but... Uh, it's been... It's, it's and, and editorial. Uh, I also would like to say I've really enjoyed it, Dan, with you as well. Um, it's been been good old crack. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of feedback and comments across the year, which has been uh, the enjoyable aspect of it. And even even if you know you're sort of some kind of public enemy figure in Cork or whatever, um, you know it's 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 good that people are listening well, and engaging I, I, and so I on. Never, and that's the I never that is thought the key. I would have uh, I think had a role in them winning the cup. I to did, be honest, uh, like, no, I mean no. that is well. I think you might be overstating things a small bit there, but um, I think that, I think there is a, a general point. About, about coverage of the League of Ireland generally that there is like uh, there is a lot of people out there who are interested in it and it's good to have a format to talk about it for a long period of time and I think rather than a sort of a, you know a rushed 10-15 you know, minute discussion where you're trying to run through everything to be able to sort of tease things out uh, and that's certainly something you could say about the uh, the air coverage at the, start, at, at the start of the podcast uh, year that we've had you were sort of a little bit less um enthusiastic than I was in terms of the quality of the league and I think you spoke of the possibility of you know a few things possibly going wrong over the course of the season where would you weigh it up at the end of it all um, we've had some high points some low points quality wise are we getting better are we not where we should be 
I don't know. I think next season is a big one, really, and the winter is a big one as well. I mean, um, to look back on the year overall, um, there there is always sort of a, a recency bias about these things, even awards, even discussions. You sort of remember things that happen at the end of the year just more so, because naturally, because it's like fresher in your mind, you know. Um, there's no doubt that like the the Bray thing was a was a real low point. The loan situation was a low point. Um, I think I still think issues as regards. Um, you know, sort of betting stories and so on would be a low point. Um, and you know, the biggest challenge I think facing the league going forward is it's still the challenge of 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 wrestling with this inequality that exists. That at the sharp end of things, I've I found the Cork and Dock games enjoyable. I find the rivalry very enjoyable. I wouldn't sort of take it too seriously. I think I think it's healthy to have debate and and it's noticeable the last couple of days. You know, other people from outside are able to engage with it, not as much as we might want or not as much as we might think. I wouldn't overplay it. Um, uh, I still think the the biggest vehicle to uh, the general public will will always be European results rather than maybe things that happen internally I think I think European results is the one that really grabs people uh, but next best after that is a good cup final and good end to the league season and actually when you think about it we didn't actually really have a league race this year and, and it was still you know there was still talking points but anyway yeah Cork very interesting and Doc Shamrock Rovers I've no problem with them playing each other four times next year I have to say um, because there's going to be stories around the games but it's how do those other clubs get to that level the European money is driving a wedge and while well from even perspective of here, we get to talk about the good games and from the perspective of even journalists, like my own point of view, I generally go and see the top teams every week. There's there's fans out there of, of the league in Athlone and Finn Harps and Drada in Longford and places like that who may not be as feeling as enthusiastic about the league because what they're seeing every week isn't great. And they're not looking forward to next season in the case of the first division club. <laughs> Maybe me next and, season. And Galway as well. I, I don't, I'm not even thinking of you in that terms, but yes, that's coming down the tracks. And um, I, I don't know what the perfect solution is. I, I, I think, again, I'd like to see a minimum standards for our top division. And I'd like at the end of next season to have some firm direction of, of what the plan is. Because I still think a lot of discussions we've had on this show this year we could have had them on a show in 2007. And and that, to me, is the, is the greatest frustration, uh, that are we going to be in 2027 still having these, where does the league go from here? And, where does LOI and, Weekly and, go from here, by well, the way? That's, a, well, that's, a, that's a, a question in itself, Johnny. Yeah. I mean, it would not be a League of Ireland-themed uh, product or, or thing where we reach the end of every year going, what happens now? Do we get paid? What happens no. <laughs> What happens now? We'll just have to, we'll just have to wait and, and, and see. As, as they say, you know, give a lovely diplomatic uh, like answers like all, like all people do in these situations. But it's been good fun. Presuming we're all around next year, you'll notice the show will have a lot more First Division aligned content because I'll be liking Stradbrook and, uh, you know, I've, two grounds I haven't been to in the League of Ireland, Lissy Woolen and Stradbrook. Yeah, I've never been. I've never been to Stradbrook. I don't think. I, don't, I certainly haven't been for a Cabinteely game. I'm trying to think if I was there at any reason for uh, when I was in UCD and stuff. Yeah, mm. I've been meaning to do that actually. But, I, uh, I, I might go with you to a game next year. Um, I've really enjoyed the LOI Weekly uh, experience. Now we we may have another show uh, before the end of the year. <laughs> no, we don't know, Johnny. This is yeah, the, this is the one. Problem. So why, why would we say anything with certainty? Let's we, just we just like, we, do, we don't know. But but don't don't, don't, don't give up on us yet. And obviously follow us on the Tweet Machine uh, as you have in uh, in your numbers this year. Um, I think f- from my perspective, I'm a racing journalist, and to have people in uh, that I wouldn't normally speak to has been really refreshing. And I've. Uh, I've had. I think we've had some great guests. I, I, it's very, very hard to pick 
my favourite show of the year. I thought Gerald O'Brien was absolutely brilliant. Um, I met his uncle in the boozer and told him that on Saturday, and um, that that was interesting as well. Um, told him a few times actually, um, and sent a selfie of the two of us to Gerald. I think as well. Right. Um, I thought uh, Brian Kerr was illuminating. What was your favourite? You, you, it's very hard. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about it. Like, uh, should we be ranking our guests? Like, this be, seems too difficult. Too difficult. It seems, it seems just too difficult. Something, you know. Um, but it's been great fun. And listen, I, I, I just have to thank everyone for listening in. I know I find podcasts um, a bit different to other people because I don't drive, and I, I, I think that's. The vehicle, I think, Dan, for a lot of people listen, they have a long drive to League of Ireland game. And I've often had people even at the races tell me when they're going to races, they'll put on our podcast because it's a long drive. So I don't have that. Um, but I think we've produced an OK product. Uh, are you happy enough with it? Yeah, I don't think we should we should go down the route of patting ourselves. Room for improvement. We shouldn't pat ourselves in the back and leave that to the, uh, to the other Room podcasts. for improvement. But the guests have been great. Yeah. yeah they have been, they've been. They've been good guests, you know, good, solid bunch of guests across yeah, the year good bunch I of lads I feel like we've had this you know what more can we say other than we're going for some steak now actually yeah that seems yeah. to be that seems to be the plan alright and thanks to everyone for listening and thanks to two lads for coming in as well and to Denny uh, Denny Dutch Gold Corcoran uh, who is a f- bigger uh, <laughs> bigger fan of Chelsea than watching the cup final but anyway thanks for everyone uh, again in 2017 and we see where we go from here Dan Let's get some steak. I'm done.